0: How's it going?
1: Good. How are you?
0: I'm good.
1: Good. Are you at your restaurant right now?
0: No, I, I left. I was painting all day and I had to get home and get all of the paint and stuff off of me. Oh, uh,
1: has your has your restaurant opened already?
0: No, not yet. So it'll be hopefully by the end of October. We're waiting for health department and all of that to get approval for it. Oh, awesome. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't even started this interview, but I just wanted to ask you how that was. Um, Tell everybody your name and yeah. where you're from, who you are.
0: Yeah, so my name is Aaron Bessie, and I'm from L.A., kind of-ish. Um, yeah.
1: Kind of-ish? What does that mean?
0: Uh, so I grew up between L.A. and southern Utah.
1: Oh, okay. I don't think I knew that. How? What brings you to southern Utah? Uh, Fam-
0: yeah, so I was born in Utah, and then my dad moved to... LA to pursue his art stuff when I was a kid so I lived between here and, and there oh cool um
1: how so how long have you you've been in LA as of since correct
0: yeah so I moved here like permanently when I was about nine ish um okay. and lived here and then would go visit my mom and stuff during the summers oh very cool
1: um and would you mind telling any everybody how old you are
0: yeah I'm 31
1: oh man you're we're in the same age bracket awesome I love I love interviewing people in the same age bracket because then we can we can like relate on a lot of things um sometimes I interview people who are younger than me and I'm like we can't really like you don't understand my references or if someone's older than me it's like the same thing it's like I don't understand their references
0: oh my god so love love it
1: I'm already I'm already excited about this
0: (laughs) yeah so Um, my wife is uh 18 years older than me and so sometimes not often because I'm I try to get educated on other things but like she'll say something and I'm like I have no idea what you're talking about
1: <laughs> well I mean like my wife is uh, seven years older than me so I, I get it <laughs> like there are yeah. things that she'll say she'll be like oh you know rem- remember when the-. I'm like I don't remember when that happened actually um, yeah it's a, it's, it's a thing I think now that I'm in my 30s I feel pretty um, solid with the way that I communicate with her um, and I feel like I'm like adultish, instead of when I was in my 20s and just kind of like, oh, I'm in my 20s and it's a thing. Um, yeah. So you said she's 18 years older than you. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> I
0: feel you. Yeah, it's 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 not a thing. And every now and then, there's there's sometimes where I'm like, oh, right, you're older than I am, and I yeah. forget this yeah. completely because it's not like an issue in our day to day life.
1: Yeah I mean it's not in ours either But there are those things like That will come up and I'm like oh yeah Like that that ages me Or like ages her and it's just kind of like Alright well moving on like we love Each other to death you know so it's yeah. kind of like It doesn't matter and never has um, But at the same Time sometimes there are those Things um,
0: That's awesome how long have you been together uh, 10 years oh, So was, yeah this this summer Was 10 years Cool, cool. Well, congratulations on ten years. Thank you. It's pretty wild.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of relationships in general are wild. So, I correct.
0: You. Yeah, our, I think. Our, it's long
1: um, ter- sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, long term, long term relationships of any sort are a challenge, and and they're thing, and they're great and weird and wild.
1: Yeah, it's it's a, uh, it's it's weird. I don't know. It's a good thing. It's not weird. It's a good thing. But they are. They are definitely a journey and like, I feel like we'll get into this later, but like, I feel like being sober, um, it's, I'm all about cliches now and it just is like, I like get the cliches. I'm like, Oh yeah, I get it now. Like every, you know, life is a journey and like, that's, that's a real, it's a real thing. It's not just something somebody says. Totally. I agree. Um, all right. Well, let's get started. So Aaron. Do you consider yourself sober and in recovery or both?
0: Both. Yeah, I've been sober for 13 plus years now. So Holy shit, 13 years? Yeah.
1: Wow. That is amazing. Um this 13 years this year?
0: Yeah, so in in oh, cool. May.
1: Awesome. That is so exciting. Um and is your is your wife sober as well?
0: Yeah, so she has 27 years. Oh man,
1: that's awesome. Yeah, so cow, I did not know that she was sober as well.
0: Yeah, between the two of us, we have 50 years of recovery in our house. Wow,
1: that is awesome. Did you? So, you've been together for 10, um, you're 13. Did you know each other before you were sober?
0: So, I we actually met at a meeting, and so, okay, um, yeah, so. That's our like getting together story, which is always funny to tell people because you're like, do I tell you that I met you at a meeting or is this just we <laughs> me met at a coffee shop? Like you, I kind of have to navigate it. But so we had seen each other around at a meeting that we went to together or not together, but we just had seen each other around. But like that was kind of it. Um, nothing. It was one meeting that we saw each other for like a couple of months, but nothing nothing kind of sparked initially. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's cool.
1: That's really cool. Um, I did not know that she was sober as well. That's that's really, really neat. Yeah. Um, what were what was life like before getting sober?
0: Uh, it's interesting because I got sober when I was 18. So, like, I didn't have I had a life, but I didn't have a lot of life. So, like, of my own experience. I don't know if that makes sense. I was a kid, so a lot of, like, I feel like for some of it, like up until you're like a young teenager, like you're just kind of experiencing life through your parents and all of that. So like as a little, little kid, it was, it was interesting. It was tough. It was uncomfortable would be like the best way to describe it. Um, and then once like I found drinking and, and mostly doing drugs, like, um, things got really chaotic for me. So, I was also, so I was probably like between the ages of like 11 and 13 was like the fun part of everything of like hanging out with friends and being ridiculous, but also starting to realize that I was gay and, Mm -hmm. um, navigating that my family's a little bit religious, but not a whole lot, just enough that like being gay isn't okay if the neighbors know kind of a deal. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was navigating that. So I think it just kind of pushed me further and further into drug use. And I also have, I had at the time undiagnosed ADHD stuff. And so that I'm sure there was self-medication there. Um, Yeah. Being a teenager was weird, like for most people, but adding drugs and addiction into that mix makes it extra not fun. Um, So yeah. Yeah that makes
1: sense. I get what you're saying. Like having to get like getting sober at an early age, um, you were in your te- you were in your teens. So like you had, I guess like not a lot of living, but you did have a lot of living because you, you've, like, obviously you started young. Um, but like, I, I get what you're saying. Like, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around it, like put it into words. Um, but that makes sense to me. like I get what I get what you're saying. i I, I always find it fascinating when people who get sober really young, like you, you said you got sober at eighteen. Yeah. yeah, so like I mean I, I definitely like it's it's amazing to me because to have that like wherewithal or like the understanding of yourself of like I need to change myself um, and do something and then have it last as long as you've been sober is really, really cool. Yeah,
0: it's pretty wild because I actually think I've always had that thought. So, like, Mm. which is also why I go to, like, other programs. So, like, uh, I do, like, the Al-Anon stuff and the the money programs, all of that. Because I feel like even as, like, a little kid, I remember having those thoughts of, like, the world outside of me is crazy, so I have to change. Um, Mm -hmm. Which is, like, a part of recovery and part of, like, making that. And that is... a healthy thought but like i took it to the next level of like i have to completely change my whole person to be okay in this world um yeah yeah so it's really interesting because it's always been a thought that i've had of like i need to do and be better even when i the like doing and being better was like stealing your wallet and helping you look for it kind of a deal (laughs) yeah
1: i mean no that makes sense too i mean I, i used to be a part of a bunch of programs as well just because it does like like addiction bleeds into each other and it's not just like you get to a point where it's like, it's not just alcohol or it's not just whatever your vice is. Like it is a part of your fiber and who you are, um, that you have to like figure out. And so, yeah, I mean, like I found all those things incredibly useful, especially like later on it, like it it really started popping up and like recognizing that and being able to recognize that. Um, but back to when you were a kid, do you think that, so you said 11, 13 was like when you were, when you started doing like, or drinking and doing drugs and stuff like that. Do you, does, do you think that there was like something that spawned that or it was just like curiosity of being a kid? Um,
0: I think it was just curiosity to just start. Like, I didn't, because I did grow up in, in Utah, I do you think that kind of affected my perspective on drinking? I, they don't, Mormon, it's, huge mormon culture and they don't believe in like mind altering, consuming mind-altering substances like including caffeine like Mm -hmm. just none of it so like i didn't even know what drugs and alcohol were it's just my dad drink drank and my stepmom did as well but like it wasn't something i really thought about or like noticed a change in them as a person and so i i i don't know what initially drew me to it i don't have that moment with drinking of like oh this is the thing that's gonna save me or this Mm -hmm. this is the thing um i don't have that experience around it oddly enough i do have that with sugar i vividly remember as a kid like eating a bunch of sugar and and feeling different whether it be a sugar high or whatever and then being like this is the thing that's gonna make me feel okay
1: huh that's really interesting yeah i mean like cool as being your being a kid and being able to recognize that uh, i'm sure that you like we all i mean we all have that right like some sort of like moment in time that we're like we're like oh this is like this is what is gonna work um it's interesting that it's sugar do you did you ever like is that something you cut out of your life or something that like later on you were like oh that's like that's a problem and
0: um do something like that? no i i mean as you know i'm a cyclist and i eat like shit um but uh i think i think it's something i'm attentive to i haven't i don't drink i don't smoke i don't have promiscuous sex like i don't have this wild life um Mm. and so sugar is really like my last big vice and i do occasionally catch myself using it as a way to cope with my life Mm. um i but it's not a thing where that's a regular pattern it's if if anything i could qualify it as like binging on it mm, um okay. and it's something i just have to clock and just be like okay this is a thing that i'm doing and is that okay with me for right now and if it is then fine i'm going to keep doing that thing and it's for that moment is okay yeah sure it has its side effects it probably won't kill me right now it might give me diabetes later whatever we'll find <laughs> yeah, out like- we'll find out when we get there but yeah,
1: that makes sense. um
0: yeah I feel like that's my last big thing where like not my last but it's one of the things that I notice um when stressed that's where I go
1: Hmm. and that's still like a thing like that is like your go-to kind of vice or if you will or like some sort of thing like coping mechanism maybe
0: 100 percent. oh cool
1: I mean like not cool but i I mean I get what you're saying like it's again like i think it's like it takes a level of understanding of yourself to like figure out those things um that really trigger you or like are outside like additions to your life that are coping mechanisms does it make sense
0: yeah most definitely i we refer to it at our house as like switching seats on like on the titanic like it's all a sinking ship but you're just going to mm. keep on moving around until you figure out the one that's sinking the slowest um, oh, I love-
1: that a lot that's a really cool way of saying something i have never heard that before
0: it's really morbid but it's just an accurate way of saying like we're at at some point this is gonna kill me but like which one is is the most sustainable way to not like like the like least amount of suffering around this thing and for right now it's not causing a lot of pain to myself or other people and that's okay
1: yeah i mean like that's i think it's like the main the main thing right it's like as long as you're not causing pain to yourself immediate pain or like to others like that's huge uh, Definitely. like you're not getting into arguments over your wife or with your wife over stuff like with sugar but
0: yeah exactly
1: <laughs> yeah it's i know i i like, really like that can you say that again the titanic
0: switching seats in the titanic so like you're moving around from one thing to another
1: yes i like that a lot i need to i need to remember that cuz that's that's really good thanks um all right, so you picked you picked it up when you were a kid, eleven, thirteen. Um, did you? Is there? Is was there a point where you started realizing that it was a problem? Because you got sober really young, so uh, like walk us through that, like how that, how you got from eleven, thirteen to eighteen, and like what was what was life like?
0: Yeah. So I mean, now that we're talking, and because I haven't shared my like getting sober story in a while. Okay um part of i think the transition from me using to as like a fun time with friends to like using as a method of dealing with my life Mm -hmm. um i i decided to stop talking to my biological mom around 13 um there was Mm -hmm. some like abuse that happened in her house some physical abuse and i was just like i don't know how to deal with this and i was seeing a therapist at the time that was like you can just not talk to her if it's causing you pain and i was like oh that's an option great let's not talk but i think part of that i think some of that pain was so unresolved that like i it helped kind of cope with that um so that was the kind of pushing forward of being like oh i can i can use this in a way to deal with life mm-hmm. um and it was still fun like i was still having a good time it wasn't like sad yet it was still like just me getting stoned and drinking a little and hanging out with people at the mall like it wasn't like uh, a tra- tragic event. Um, mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, and I don't exactly remember how old I was, but I got in a, in a lot of trouble with my dad around smoking pot. Um, I didn't drink a whole lot because I was young and it was harder to get than drugs. So drugs are a huge yeah. part of my experience. Um, so I got in trouble for smoking pot and they were like livid. Um, and so... I did stop around that time um, for, I don't know how long it could have been six months. It could have been three. I don't honestly remember, but around that time is when I started like self-harm and all of that to cope with life. Like there was always something that I just needed to like get f- I like now I know it's me needing to get the feelings or the thoughts out of my body. So whether that's talking to someone else or writing it down, whatever, like healthier ways to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um So that kind of took place of drinking and doing drugs. Um, And then another thing had happened with my mom, I guess. um, We had, I was like, she started writing me letters again and kind of trying to be an active part of my life. And I was like, oh, you're making an effort. Like, I'm all about a reciprocal Mm -hmm. relationship. Like, if I'm going to put effort in, there is an expectation for me that you will put in some effort. It doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be the same. Just some. I'm fine with that. Um, And so I was like, fine, she's making an effort. I'll put in an effort. And she flew out to LA and we started talking and whatever. And essentially like dismissed any thoughts that I had of what happened when we were kid, when I was a kid. And so Mm -hmm. I was kind of blindsided by that. Cause I don't, I don't know what I was expecting out of the situation other than to maybe just be heard and like have those feelings validated. I mean, I was a pretty young kid. I was eight or nine when all of that happened. And so um, there's always been a moment, a part of me that's like, did that happen? Or is that just like my little kid brain or my alcoholic brain or whatever you want to call it? Um, so once that conversation happened with my mom and I was like pretty defeated by it and I decided to continue to not speak with her, I, I feel like that's kind of the moment where, things accelerated whether it's because of that or it's just how things worked out because of my uh willingness to do whatever was put in front of me I was kind of like a trash can of a person and was just like sure you have drugs I'll take them um yeah so that kind of happened I was probably like 16 or 17 around that point and from that moment of like starting to use again after that little brief period of being afraid of my parents essentially Mm -hmm. um it happened pretty quickly and i do remember that moment so i do remember i was at like a small house party sitting on a sofa and i was surrounded by beer or some kind of alcohol and i had promised a friend at the beginning of that party that i would only uh i was just gonna drink and so um for me my experience is that like I actually don't enjoy drinking, uh, but drinking is always the thing that will open up the door to me doing other things that send me into a rabbit hole that is not great. So it started with drinking, and then I was surrounded by these bottles of booze, and I was like, if you want a drink, you have to give me some of your pot, or whatever it might be. Like I was negotiating with people, and so at some point in that night, that was the first time at least that I recall blacking out and not being present or in control of what was happening uh so yeah, and then from there it just it snowballed very quickly um did it
1: freak you out when you when you had blacked out for your first time
0: uh I actually didn't remember that until I got sober and I think through making amends to someone they brought up a car ride home with someone's parents where I was like profusely apologizing I didn't know that that happened um until after getting well after getting sober so I don't think anything terrible happened around it but other than me, I, I get very chatty when I get drunk. And so it's part of the reason why I don't like drinking is because I just do- I literally cannot stop talking, but I can hear like <laughs> it's so awful. I hate it Um
1: because you can like hear yourself talk. But like,
0: yeah, and I'm just like, talking. shut yeah. up, like stop talking. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, But yeah, so from that party, like it just snowballed to. Me doing a lot of cocaine. And then I was like, hey, maybe I can smoke this cocaine and going down that rabbit hole. Like it mm. progressed really fast from that moment. And then, yeah. Was this when
1: you were like 17 ish, 17, 18?
0: Yeah, that's okay. correct. Cause I actually, like, I got arrested three days before my 18th birthday. And that was kind of the start of my getting sober experience. Okay. So, like, you would say, like, if you were to have like, your rock bottom or like
1: where like you know because like in a like program talk they have we have like rock bottoms and just kind of like that place where we're just like oh like we can't you know like we have something has to change um whether it's being forced on us or it's like something where it's like that you know epiphany i guess of just like oh i like this really needs to change um so was this would you consider was getting arrested like your rock bottom
0: uh, no, actually, I think I thought I was so cool. I was like, Great, I'm getting arrested. I'm awesome because I was like the last of my friends to not have gotten in trouble. I was like good in school and like all of those things. Like, I had I think I got like a one ticket for having cigarettes at one point, and like that was kind of it, but like I felt very cool around it. Like, there was some kind of status around getting arrested, and then. Um, I started having to face the consequences of getting arrested, uh, with felony charges and all of that. Um, and it was all drug related and, um, so they sentenced me to go to rehab and do all of that and my plan was essentially like, I'm just gonna stay sober until I'm done with probation and then I'm just gonna be a person that smokes pot forever and sits on my front porch. Like, that sounded like the best plan ever, um and i eventually got i got expelled from my high school and so we went to the like bad kid continuation school and there i figured out how to cheat on my drug tests at rehab cuz my probation officer wasn't drug testing me he was just using the rehab drug tests mm. but i would take ecstasy and i knew how to time it to like be able to skip my friday drug test at this rehab and somehow i don't know why this worked in the way that it did and i think this is like all kind of like higher power whatever you want to call it stuff is i would actually go i would say i was going to an aa meeting on on friday nights after um that was happening like right after rehab so i would always leave early before they would test us but i would go to the meeting and i'm like why would i like why is that the thing i did i was already lying to them about being sober and but I would go to the meeting. Like, I felt like that was my area of being honest. Like, I I don't know. So yeah, but I, so I did that for about a month after getting arrested and then I got caught. They started to catch on and see the pattern of me leaving early and skipping the tests and all of that. And so then I was like, fine, I'll stop doing ecstasy every other Thursday or whatever it was. Um, and like, I, I don't even know if that was really a bottom. Like, I have a pretty high bottom. Like, the reality is my story isn't, like, the worst of all of the stories. And, like, um, that was my, like, beginning to dip my toe into the, like, parts of, recu- parts of using that were just problems. Um, wow. And so I actually have, like, because I've spent most of my adult life on my own, sober i've had more kind of bottoms in recovery than i have using
1: interesting i would i um i want to i want to that actually cuz i i that i've i have not heard that before um i do want to I, I do before we get to that i want to ask you how, so what at what point did you did it stick and you were like okay like i'm going to do this like this is what i'm going to do and i'm going to be sober
0: So a couple of things. So that happened, me getting caught with my skipping drug tests and doing all of that. Um, That happened. And then um, I was going to meetings regularly. And um, I think the thing that initially kept me sober and sober for a while was I started hearing similarities in the beginnings of people's stories. So because Mm -hmm. I was probably more often than not the youngest person in the room, I was like, I'm not like these people, like they're all old. And like, I very much had this, like, it's not going to happen to me and all of that. But then once I started hearing like how their stories were starting and starting to see like just those similarities and being like, oh shit, this is this is a little weird, but whatever. I'm still on my plan of I'm just gonna do this for a year until I'm not in trouble. So I cannot be a felon. Mm-hmm. Um and then my dad got sober because of my other justification of like why I wasn't an alcoholic or wasn't a drug addict is because there was no one in my family that was. And so mm-hmm. I how could I be? But yeah. then my dad got sober probably like six months or so after I got sober. Or he went to rehab after that. I don't necessarily know his whole story. Um, But yeah. So I was like, oh, interesting. Now that justification or excuse is gone. And with seeing the similarities, what I started to realize is, is I didn't want to get sober and get sober or try to figure out my life when I was old. Like that, Mm. that idea kept me sober and honestly still has kept me sober. Like that I see people struggling through their life as older people and trying to get sober or even just trying to figure something out and not have a program or support and doing it on their own. Like that looks really fucking hard. Sorry for swearing. I don't know if swearing's okay. Oh, you're good. Um, great. Yeah. So that was the thing that I was like, Yeah, so that was that was the thing where I was like, yeah, I'm going to just I'm going to stick it out and what's the worst that could happen? Like um during that time I also got kicked out of my parents' house. So while I didn't experience like sleeping on the street homelessness, like I was homeless for about 2 years. Um I didn't have like stable living and I was couch surfing and if I wasn't sober, I would have been sleeping on the streets. Um so that was the other thing that kept me sticking around um and then i found community and that's kind of been the biggest thing in in all of my life that's been really important and sustaining so
1: what do you mean community like like sober community
0: yeah so sober community uh now now as i'm more sober i have not sober community like i think for me like that's the thing that keeps me sober more than anything um I mean I've worked steps in multiple programs I've done all of those things but the thing and I've not I've gone long periods of time with not being heavily involved in program stuff but I've stuck around the community element of things and having friends and support and people that I can rely on to get the like shitty feelings out of my body whether that be talking to people or going on bike rides or doing these things to kind of take care of myself but like the the kind of center piece of my recovery has always been community
1: interesting i I would like to i would like you to expand on that because i i know that there's uh, before i got sober there were a lot of people who would tell me that um specifically and i never really understood it because i mean it's just it's not where i where i am um and i just kind of want to hear what your thoughts are and like what is so important to you about that And like what it does, uh, what the community does for you.
0: Yeah. So when I first got sober, I hung out with this group of like 40 year old lesbians on in West Hollywood. And that those were kind of like my people at that time. And I was also going to um, young people's meetings, um, which I didn't necessarily click into. I've always hung out with older people, but I was there were a few like really solid friends who I still speak with today um that like we just hung out and because i was sleeping on people's couches i never really like felt comfortable of just like hanging out on people's couches while they were like home doing their thing it was really a an uncomfortable experience and so i was always just out like whether it be sitting at a meeting or there's like a cafe that had meetings twice a day and then so i would go hang out there and talk to people and whether i was in the meeting or not and then i would go to a night meeting and hang out with that so those people and so I think that really like essentially like making friends that like would show up um, was incredibly helpful. And I think that's, that's kind of been an incredible thing that I've benefited from greatly. And so now it looks a little different, the more sober I've gotten and the more I'm able to um, kind of open up my world, if if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. it has gotten a lot bigger, but I do have like a core group of friends that like, when shit goes down like I can just be like hey like this is what's mm-hmm. happening and I need help or the same thing for them like hey you're you're having a shit show of a day like let's hang out so it's it's just that like it's just having support so like my family situation growing up was not that like it I mean I'm one of six kids I think I talk to my oldest brother the most. Uh, And by the most, I mean, we send each other a text message once a month or every couple of months. Like that's Mm -hmm. the most communication and support that um, my family is able to provide for each other. And so I have always been searching for like a family Um, and I have now I'm married and I have a son and I have all of I have like a traditional kind of family, but also my community has kind of replicated some of that like just people to show up and be supportive um Mm -hmm. kind of without expectation or conditions which is also kind of how i was brought up like i felt like everything came with an expectation or a condition and while that totally still happens i'm sure my friends and family have expectations of me i don't feel like it is conditional um and i think that also took me a really long time to find that um In the various friend groups I've had, there has been conditions to friendships, or it had to look a certain way, or there was a certain dynamic, whereas now um, I I have that. And even if people aren't my friends, like, I can go out and hang out and have a good time, or, like, do whatever. Kind of in the same way that, like, in AIDS Lifecycle, they talk about, like, the love bubble, which part of me half hates that phrase like i half, i'm like this is gross because it's just not cool like I i don't know my commitment to be like looking and sounding cool kind of gets a little warped sometimes but like it's that it's the like i don't know who the hell you are or where you came from or what you're doing but like you're on the side of a road and you have a flat tire and don't know what you're doing so i'm here to help like yeah that genuine, like, real altruism without expectations.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I think, like, programs in general, like, the programs that I've worked, a lot of my sponsors have told me, you know, it like, when you're, like, in your head, or when you're just, like, in the thick of things, like, get out of your head by, like, talking to people without expectations. Like, shoot people texts, see how they are without expecting anything in return. And it feels so weird to do that. But once you start doing it, there's something so nice about it. Like now it's, it just comes as like second nature for me now. Like I just, I just naturally just like, like, Oh, I haven't talked to this person in really a really long time and like shoot him a text and like, not, a, you know, don't expect anything back. Um, but that part of the sober community is, yeah. I, I mean, there are so many people within the sober community that I can count on just because I know like they, they would do the same for me.
0: Yeah, I mean it it's pretty incredible and it's also interesting too like I think in particular above about like alcoholics and addicts there because uh and this is in comparison to like my experience in other programs I think mm-hmm. cuz the thing that that we're addicted to can kill us way faster in more horrific ways like we've seen some dark shit
1: mm-hmm.
0: willingness to show up is is different and I it's really I really kind of experienced it um in the past month or so of like talking to a sponsor in a different program and not a sober person and whatever and I was sharing some stuff and I was like oh right like some of this stuff that we're talking about while it is related to um my Al-Anon issues like this is a this is a thing that if I were to take to an AA meeting like they would understand and be able to like clock it a little bit faster and not and not have some kind of like pity around it. Like, yeah, yeah, terrible, yeah. like awful things that happen in our lives and we don't know how to navigate. And you can just be like, oh, here's someone else. And like the, the desperation, I think, sometimes leads to like a greater eagerness to be of service.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think you're right. Like, because I, I, like I'm in part of other programs that don't necessarily require you to be sober or are like clear-minded when it comes to like what their program work is and um I've had the same sort of like similar experiences where like it's like it's almost like you have to check yourself at the door of just like what you're talking about and who your audience is just because like the mindset of an addict and somebody who is you know drug-free or alcohol-free is like so different than somebody that it has, you know, it has, like, money issues, or um, it's, like, a gambler, like, it's still equally, you know, some sort of vice, but, like, that mindset is so different um, than somebody who's, like, seen some shit, and, like, you know, the, the kinds of shit that I hear at my other meetings are just, or, like, you know, like, my AA meetings or anything else like that are just so much more, in- I guess, intense, but, like, I can see it and it, it doesn't phase me, right? Like it doesn't phase me, but other people in other meetings, like it it kind of like is a little bit, you know, it's like I I feel like it's like a pity or like a like oh holy shit, like you've seen some stuff.
0: Right. Um, Which I've also always struggled with. So I've also been seeing a therapist since I was eight. So like I've seen a bunch of therapists and I can kind of clock when they're like horrified by whatever I'm saying and then as a kid, especially, I was like, Oh, you're not to be trusted because whatever I'm telling you is too much for you to handle. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the beauty of being a sober person is you're like, Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Like I've done this other thing that's way yeah. worse than that, or whatever. Yeah. Like which sometimes isn't helpful. And sometimes like I it could just be my ego getting in the way of being like, Well, whatever, like I'm cool too, guys, or like. I've yeah. done this. It's that part of me that sat in the back of the cop car when I got arrested and was like, I'm cool now.
1: <laughs> like, this is, like, the top of my life. Like...
0: Yeah. I, yeah I'm, no. I'm about to face some crazy, gnarly consequences of my actions, but I'm cool, and so that's all that matters.
1: Oh, literally all that. Matter. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like... Yeah, it's like, no... It's Sometimes I have a hard time outside of, like, my my own sobriety of just, like, knowing my audience, um, because, like, I, I don't do well with small talk. Yeah. And I don't do well with just, like, people talking to me about the weather or about sports or some shit, like, I I have to go into some deep explanation if I do something wrong, you know, like, all the, all the things that we do, and it's just, like, sometimes I forget, like, most, more than half the time, like, nobody gives a shit, like, nobody really cares that much about what I'm, what my thoughts are about you know x y and z or like why i did something um yeah and it's like i don't know i just don't don't do small talk at all um which i think i attribute i really do i mean i've always been kind of like that but i think like i really attribute it to like the being sober because we talk about heavy stuff like every single time you, you come in contact with somebody um who's sober but like we still joke around but like for the you know we hear some of like the darkest stuff that you know you'll ever produce
0: definitely and i also think that's hard too like i think that's where like being in restaurants has actually really benefited me cuz i've i've kind of learned where and when to to navigate those conversations cuz i feel like sometimes too and this is this is just my opinion around it but like they're like talking about like your horrific story at the punch table at a party that's kind of lighthearted maybe isn't the time and the place to to yeah. share yeah. this horrific event not to yeah, say that like sure. you shouldn't talk to people about it, but like maybe wait until like the meeting happens or like yeah. whatever. Like the punch bowl isn't the place to talk about it.
1: Well, I feel like for myself, more so is like that I overshare. Like it like an example is um like for my like today, like I, I got coffee and um the the server messed up on the coffee and was like, I'm really sorry, like I'm gonna give you another coffee. So I was like, or you like, you can take this coffee, but like, we're, we're going to make your coffee too. I was like, cool, that's, you know, no worries at all. And then I, I went back to work and then somebody was like, I just like handed, I was like, hey, you know, like to a teacher, I was like, hey, do you want, do you want this extra coffee? She's like, oh my God, yeah, like, yes. And in my mind, I was just like, yeah, I could just like say this. But then like, I explained like the whole thing and like, was just like overshared because I'm so used to oversharing, which I was like, well, they made me another coffee and then this happened, then this happened, this happened and then i was gonna drink it but then i didn't want to be selfish and then she just like she just started looking at me like dude shut the fuck up man like just I, you know but i'm so used to that from like meetings where i'm just like well this feeling feels like this and then i feel like this and then it happens like that And i'm like no i, I gotta like turn that off
0: yeah like, um, oh, i 100% do that all the time that <laughs> level of like oversharing where i'm like yeah they don't need to know the back end of what's happening." Like it's maybe not relevant to this moment, but I'm like, you need to know what happened.
1: Exactly. You need to know what happened. And I feel like, I, but I feel like the thing about like, where I think about it with my sobriety is that like, I, I don't think I'm perfect, like at all, but I do have to be honest with myself, like all the time. Like it's like, I have to constantly check those small conversations that I have with myself and like, reevaluate some of my situations because like, I want to like, if I'm not doing okay, or if, like, there's something that's off, like, somebody in a meeting once told me, like, you should, not necessarily to me, but said, like, how you keep your house clean, or, like, how you, like, look at things in your house, like, if you throw, like, a q-tip, and it misses the trash can, and then it bounces off, and you see it bounce off, but then, like, you choose not to pick it up, like, you know, like, they were using it as, like, a metaphor of, like, that's how your brain works. Like you, like, if you mess up with one thing, like you'll just slowly keep messing up and like letting things go. And so like, you should always try to like clean up your side of the street or always like, if you see something like that is a little bit out of order in yourself or just in life that you should like, you should pick it up. And I've taken that too much to heart. Like I feel like I do that all the time where I'm like constantly, you know, like I say something or do something and I'm like, Oh, I gotta fix that. And then like, you know it, it bleeds out into like normies and they're just kind of like dude you're strange like you just you you need to stop trying to fix everything um,
0: yeah i'm i'm very familiar with all of that and i yeah. also think for me like that's in, in my experience like that's a moment of like a character asset also being a character defect kind of yep. a deal. like yep. in in some of these areas like this over explanation of like being a manager and knowing how to like coach people on how to do things and the over explaining is actually proven to be incredibly helpful but yeah. like talking to the barista asking about my how my day was like she probably actually doesn't care she's just being polite um i don't need to go into it with her but it is a yeah, but- skill I've had to, like, learn to be, like, she's being nice. And I can be honest about what my day is, but I don't need to tell her yeah. what I'm doing for the next 12 hours.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I I, I, I totally get that and do that, too, where somebody will be like, like, you know, it's a standard. Like, how's your day going? And then I'm just like, well, this is not this happened. And then it's just, no, you really don't care what my day is going to look like. Like, you just literally are asking because you're paid to do that. And, like, you have to be nice um yeah it's an interesting it's an interesting switch i mean like you said it's like sometimes the like defects can be assets but then also you know just like it can be just difficult to navigate Agree. Uh, okay so moving into when you got sober so what was early sobriety like so you were going to a lot of meetings um and you were sticking around the community what was it like for you? And you, and I, you briefly said earlier that you had been living on your own for a really long time.
0: Yeah. So uh, I got kicked out shortly after out of my parents' house shortly after getting sober. Um, I was still stealing and acting out in other ways. And so they were kind of fed up with me and um, they kicked me out and I was couch surfing. So that was kind of like my living situation. Um and i had like a few like couple like a couple of times where i like found a roommate and had a little bit of stability in living but for the most part was just couch surfing so raising my hand and saying i needed a place to sleep for the night kind of a deal um which was incredible. was it both in la yeah this is all in la um so i did i did that and so it was just a lot of going to meetings and then that was also in 2008 so good time to be looking for work and trying to make all of that happen. Um <laughs> so yeah, like coming of age and trying to navigate like earning enough money to support myself. Um so I was either working or in a meeting was essentially my experience and didn't really have like the luxuries to do anything other than that. Um and that was my experience for quite a while. Um was just navigating like when's my next meeting going to be and where how am i gonna like either i hope this restaurant stays open long enough for me to earn enough money to like make something happen mm-hmm. or hunting for jobs like that was kind of my life for the first year of of all of it um so and do all- you,
1: do you like kept busy during that time like having to do that and just like going back and forth or was it stressful I mean I'm sure it was stressful but was it hard to be sober while trying to do that?
0: It wasn't so I've once I decided to be sober like I feel like it wasn't hard for me to like just be like okay I'm sober now and this is what I'm going to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Um
0: and like even now like I I don't I don't ever really like crave drugs or alcohol. Like there are times where I'm like yeah that would be nice but like I I've lived my entire adult life without it at this point. Like, I feel like I wouldn't, I don't necessarily think I would gain anything from it. Mm. Um. So I was fortunate enough that like when I got, when I decided that like I was going to stay sober, um, I, I didn't have that thing. I think there was one moment where I lost my wallet on the bus and it had like everything in it, like my ID, my social security card, like everything. And like probably the last like $20 I had, Um, and I was, I was sitting at the bus stop, like furious and, um, some guy was smoking pot and I was like, that would be nice. But the immediate next thought was I'll just go to a meeting. Like there was a meeting, like three blocks from where I was at. Um, I had probably just come from a meeting like, but so that was kind of the only moment in early recovery where I was, where once I had decided to stop like lying and cheating around things, like, that was the only time where I was like, "Yeah, drugs would be nice," but like, I quickly realized that like I would be for real homeless if I had not been sober. Mm. Um. So and and I don't I don't necessarily think that was a conscious thought at the time. I think in hindsight, I I knew that like at my core, but I didn't think it was like a forefront thought. Hmm. I mean, I think
1: I feel like other people who have inter who have interviewed who have like, got sober at a younger age, they have like have this real big drive to stay sober. And I don't know if like a general like I'm kind of like generalizing people or into like a bubble, but I feel like the what people I've interviewed have gotten sober early. That they're just like. Like you said, I didn't want to have you sober when old. Um, and I, I how that, that I I always like look at myself and I'm like, oh well, maybe, you know, when I look at myself, like, oh, I should have got sober when I was younger. I don't know if I could have. I don't know. I mean, everybody's journey is different, but
0: yeah, I think like I think I wasn't really given the choice, like, so I think that was part of it. I think like how hard it was to just like literally eat and live Mm. was too hard so like and maintain my like smoking cigarette habit was too much for me to like even have the time or capacity to think about it like and i have other friends and i would see it a lot in young people's meetings like people would come in even younger than i was and end up relapsing because they turned Mm -hmm. 21 and it was a whole thing and whatever like I, I do know people who have gotten sober young and haven't stayed sober, and then have come back. Um, and I think I see that more commonly than I do people getting sober young and staying sober.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but- I mean, I think that I think my thing is is like I I've recently have talked to a lot of people who are younger and have guns, or not younger, got sober younger, but like most of the meetings that I attend in general. Are not younger people like I I I think maybe that's my that's my own thing. It's like I recount that recant that. Like I don't really know um, because most of my meetings are like older old timers or just like I don't know. I've never I've never really had like a younger crowd, so that was a hasty thing for me to say. But um, what do you what What are your for younger for younger I guess your age when you were getting sober like how like was that do you think that helped you or did was it helpful to, to have more people who were like older like with more experience um in your life
0: i so in general like i don't this is actually the first time in my life where i've ever hung out with people even remotely close to my age Okay. um like consistently and i like i said i had a small group of like three or four friends that like we were a close group and we were all pretty close in age, but I was still the youngest of all of us. Um, And then everyone else was significantly older than me. Um, So like my nickname when I first got sober was child because I was so much younger than, than everyone. Um, (laughs) And I think that actually really helped getting sober around and they didn't necessarily have more time than me. I mean, a lot of those, those women had ended up relapsing at some point um and at one point like my sponsor and i were the only ones that were maintaining recovery in that group um so it's not necessarily that they had more like sober experience i think it's just um how things worked out and i i don't necessarily know if that affected things other than seeing the, the thing that I am the most conscious of is just seeing people older trying to get sober and being horrified of having to work that hard and mm-hmm. having like that long of an amends and that long of um, mm-hmm. inventory work. Like do I didn't want to do that level of work. I was like, I've already been doing this most of my life in some capacity through therapy or whatever. I don't want to have to work super hard to get and stay sober.
1: That makes sense. I, I, I can see that. I definitely do that now, where I look at some pe- like, and it's not necessarily like. I mean, it sounds like like saying it out loud. It sounds like a judgment, but it's really not. Like I just don't, for my own personal self, like I don't want to have to do. Like it just, it it already is a lot of work now. Um, and I yeah, I don't want to have to have more of that, more of this. Of yeah, having-
0: I mean. I can create a lot of damage being sober too, but like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't want to add an element of not being in control. Cause that also like, I feel like that's the thing that recovery has given me is that like, I have a choice to do things now. Whereas when Mm -hmm. I'm not sober, I do not have a choice. Like I really am just at the whim of whatever my, my addicted brain is wanting to do for that day. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, it's not good. Um, that makes sense. I I consider myself a pretty kind person and patient and all of that and I'm still the my core of that is there when drugs and alcohol are there but like I will do awful things to people in order to maintain my habit.
1: Mm. Yeah. I get that 100%. Um moving into like sobriety and awfulness and rock bottoms and stuff. Um you mentioned earlier that you mentioned earlier that you have had more rock bottoms in recovery than before like before you were sober or i guess in sobriety i can't remember the exact words that you said um can you expand on that
0: yeah so like i i struggled a lot when i first got sober especially being around people who have done more damage uh being like i didn't have a bottom and like me getting arrested once isn't really like a bottom and whatever. Like there wasn't a lot of pain and suffering um, at that time in my brain around drinking and using. Um, So being homeless all happened in recovery. Like I was sober for all of that. It was really hard to navigate. Um, And most people like that's not their experience. Like they're homeless because of their yeah. active drinking and drugging. Whereas mine was like a, a f- punishment for the future like i was sober but like having to experience that so that was really hard um having to navigate like welfare systems and doing all of that um was incredibly challenging and defeating um so dealing with like the like bureaucracy of being homeless or like homeless-ish was hard um and so i do feel like my my experience in early recovery was much harder than um, it was while I was a teenager living at my parents' house, drinking mm-hmm. and doing drugs. Um,
1: well, yeah, cause you're having to like grow up real fucking fast. Like it's, it's, that's, that's like a real shock to your system. I, I imagine it has to be like a shock to your system to like get sober and then have to like do all this like level headed and yeah. And then like make yeah. something
0: do some adult shit real quick well like i used to joke with my wife like my brain isn't fully developed and so that's why things haven't worked because i was under 26 and i was like i don't have a full frontal lobe but like that's that's (laughs) real like that was very real for me and i was like okay but i have to fucking figure it out or i'm not going to eat today Mm -hmm. um that that feeling of like that that desperation of like i gotta i gotta just walk around until i find a job that can hire me or i have to like figure out how to work this system so i can get food stamps and still be on probation like i have to figure all of this stuff out and like it was definitely like a very it was a very grown-up situation to be in and i wasn't a grown-up um i was i was a kid like i have my my stepson is 16 now like i think about like two years from where he's at he would be having to figure out how to fend for himself and like he's a very mature 16 year old but like still that would be like i can't imagine like either subjecting my kid to that and then thinking like oh i was only two years older than him when i was trying to figure out how to like live um like, when that, most people are that. like their experience when they graduate high school is they go to college and yeah. do all of these like dumb kind of fun things and i didn't get that's a luxury i was never afforded i didn't get to like travel or do all these things and it is still like one of my biggest resentments is that like i i didn't get the opportunity for most of my childhood to be a kid Mm. um and so with that like and while that that like really kind of horrible thing has really benefited me later in life um it has also been a thing where like i'm like cool like i hear people talk about like their twenties or their teens and how they got to do all of these kind of fun and exciting things. But as a result of my upbringing and my choices around how I used and and did all of that and whatnot, it's caused a lot of pain and suffering around not being able to be like a kid when those things were happening, even though I was sober. And even though I was working on myself, like I had to hustle.
1: Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm sure that having, like steps on it and having them be, you know, two years shy of what you were when you had to do your deal. It's like, I'm sure that it, that's a huge, I mean, yeah. Even just you telling me that, like, that's, that's crazy to think about but that. Like I, I know because like, to like put that into perspective, like it just, it it's, it, that's a trip to think about um, what I was doing at the age of like, 16 to like 18 and then even 18 to like my mid-20s like you don't really think about I don't know, at least but like think about like how good I had it even if it was like there was my like I had my own stuff that was going on and it was rough and tough like I still had like a roof over my head and a consistent roof over my head I had a job I had all these things and you had to like you know just like grow the fuck up Uh, Yeah. And
0: I, and I think that's why I feel like, like in recovery, I've had, um, harder bottoms than I did in, in my using. And I don't think I didn't have bottoms in my using. I totally did. Being arrested for felony drug charges is a bottom. And that is enough to qualify me to like live a sober life. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that those qualifications are. Um, but that being said, like, that wasn't really like a hard, um, at the time, wasn't a hard and traumatic experience while I was experiencing it. In hindsight, like, I'm sad for that version of myself, but it wasn't, like, hard while it was happening. The being in early recovery and navigating, having to grow up, and also to be sober and doing it um, pretty much on my own outside of these these people that were kind enough to, like, offer me their couch or kind of whatever support they could um, was was a huge challenge.
1: So what what age were did you did you did things like start leveling out and did you, um, either start making some sort of money to like that was like livable especially because like California in general I just hear from people I know like it's it's an expensive state, um, totally. So like how yeah, at what point was there was there like some sort of like level that you were just like okay like like now you're like it's now where you're like okay like i'm like set and i'm good or was it it earlier or earlier but was what was it like in your mid-20s when things started just really calm down
0: so like financially probably in the past like three years so like working in food service no matter like what level like you don't make good money for the most part and even if you're like a manager and i've been working in restaurants since I was 13 and managing for 10 years, the past 10 plus years. Like I have a lot of experience, but still just earning minimum wage. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was earning minimum wage or like a dollar or two above. So like, I think that would have been like $15 up until I, up until like five years ago. And then I started earning a little more and it was still like a struggle. And so like, I met my wife when I was 21 Um, and I, the year prior I had moved in with someone, I had a roommate and, um, I was barely able to pay the rent and like, just trying to like figure it out and working a bunch of jobs and like, just trying to make it happen in terms of just like the day-to-day life kind of stuff and still not really being able to afford like groceries. Like the, the ways Mm -hmm. that I was eating is like, I would go to meetings and like, hopefully those meetings had snacks or, Um, eating at work like my restaurant jobs that would have like a a staff meal or whatever that Mm -hmm. was kind of how I had like food Um, so that was still like a huge struggle while I had a consistent place to stay I also didn't like necessarily I don't even still it is a struggle for me to feel comfortable in my like home and like I've had a stable living situation for 10 years now so it's not like it's This is a new experience, but it still is a little uncomfortable for me to be like, this is my space and I can do things here and like any of that. Um, But yeah, I would would say that like, while there are still challenges, like in the past, and this is really weird, especially considering that the world is half on fire right now, that the past like two and a half years has been the most kind of stability that I've had all around um i've been really fortunate to like work my way into having good jobs that pay me well and that like aren't garbage employers and treat people poorly or do that whole like we're family thing and then i'm gonna have these weird expectations of you and treat you terribly and whatever and pay you five dollars an hour um yeah so i would say like as a whole collectively like this is the most stability i've had um, I think being with my partner has been incredibly helpful with her being sober and like having that experience. My stepson is incredible. They offer stability. Um, so that's, that's been great as well.
1: I mean, yeah, I can I, I get that too. Like, I think being, I don't think this has to do with like, I mean, maybe this has to do with age. Um, but like my wife, my wife earns more than I do and i think like it's there's this level of just like coming to that understanding and accepting those things like even though like how as hard as i like bust you know bust my ass and do these things like i have to learn to accept that not only that like and this has like nothing to do with like well i don't really care how much if she like earns more than me but just like really coming to that exception of just like that I can accept help and I can accept that support from others. Um, and I feel like I have such a hard time with the ones who are directly, like I can do that with like my with my support groups and um, with my programs and stuff like that. Like I can accept that support but when it's like direct from um, these people who are like really, really close with me. I have such a hard time with just being like, yeah, like I feel good that you're allowing me to do X, Y, and Z where I feel really good that you're supporting me financially through this time. Like it just, you know, and we've been married for like seven years. So it's like, it's one of those things where I feel like, I I feel like now, now that I'm sober, I'm able to like, really kind of like let down my guard and be like, okay, like I'm going to let you in and like be okay with that. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a, it's interesting. It's, it's an interesting I mean, I think more so it's, like, the ego, right? Like, I think ego is just really, for me, really fucks me up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have that same experience. So, like, for a long time, my wife was also earning more than me. But I also, she, her career choices afford her that. Like, she's been able Mm -hmm. to have her own business. And she's also a comic. And, like, well, the comedy doesn't earn her as much. But, like, she's... I. The, the joke is is like whoever's gonna make us rich faster and so it was always her so i was always like yeah if you become famous you're gonna make us rich way faster than i will by being a chef <laughs> um i and I because i also have no interest in being like a gordon ramsay and being on television yeah. like it's i i much rather be behind the scenes i don't like the spotlight like it's not my thing um I mean, even in this process of opening the restaurant, like people are like, I want to do a profile piece on you. And I get immediately uncomfortable. And I'm like, can someone else just pretend to be me for the day? Like, it'll be fine. No one will know. It'll be great. Yeah, um, yeah like, I, I have no interest in the spotlight. And, it, like, so the the relying on, like, close friends and family for help has been a skill that I've really had to work. And, like, the thing that has always forced me to do that is tragedy. Like when horrible things happen that I really like I because I I can do a lot on my own. I think my experience in early recovery and in in childhood like have really shown me that I can be really self-sufficient in a way that is healthy and and supportive of myself and others. But like when there are tragedies happening and there's a bigger emotional component, I need help. And so Mm. I have I have a very few select friends that those are the people that I call and say like, Hey, I need help. Or, yeah. um, talking to my wife and being like, Hey, this is what's happening. Um, so it, it has taken a long time and it's, it's interesting to try to navigate that without, um, developing resentments around it, which is <laughs> incorrect. That's the thing in recovery where I'm like, okay, how do I like manage these things? And like, that, that fluctuates all the time. Like sometimes I can do things and say things or hear things without being resentful. And other times I'm like, yeah, I can't help you. Or like if someone says they can't help me in that moment, I get very resentful. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, oh no, like you're just saying for right now, this isn't forever. This is literally just like right now, uh-huh. you don't have the capacity to like help me in the way that I need to be helped because I need a lot. Yeah. Um
1: Which I, I, I struggle with that too. I, th- I think it's like I have said, sub- and I do that with with a lot of people with people, especially with, and I think that's my fear with the people that are close to me is that sometimes like I can accept their help immediately and I can be a like, yes, Like, I know you're there for me. And then there's other times that like, if I'm for whatever reason, like, you know, and I know because everybody has their own life is like, if like they can't help me in the way that I need to be helped. then it like shuts me down and i build a resentment and i'm like well fuck you then like i can't believe like you can't be here for me which is which is not cool but it's one of the like you said it fluctuates like it just it's it's one of those things where i i I can catch myself after like i can see that like oh you're you're actually operating from this real sense of hurt and like you're not like actually looking at it in a way that is logical which is that like somebody couldn't help you because of you know they have their own stuff going on and that's okay um, but like I'm easy to to build that resentment and wall and just you know shut up
0: yeah it's it's a slippery slope of like weirdness around all of that like and it really is dependent on how well I'm actually taking my care of myself prior to that moment
1: yeah. yes oh for sure I definitely definitely agree with you on that um next question is did you so i'm assuming not because you're you've 13 years but did you relapse uh so
0: technically no so okay. uh i if you want to qualify my like week where i was like i won't do drugs i swear uh as me being sober sure but i feel like for me like the first month of after getting in trouble like i just was like whatever i don't care about any of this and just took i had to take some time to figure out how to work the system is more of how i qualify at that so it it, yeah i personally don't feel like i relapsed but i just chose not to yeah i chose not to when i should have gotten sober
1: i get that i mean like i feel like I mean, everybody's story is different, really. Everybody's story is different and everybody's journey is like is their own. And like, you know, it's like the first like, first few days or weeks or um, especially the first week of getting like sober, like you're it's not going to be like, you know, sometimes it's not a quick like I'm stopping now. It's like testing the boundaries and seeing what you can qualify as, you know, sober or if it's not enough or, you know, those kinds of things. And so I, I get that.
0: Yeah, I think like initially like I didn't want to be sober. I was just there Mm. to get out of trouble. Like so I think from the time of being like, Oh, I want to be sober, I didn't relapse from that moment. Mm. Or didn't use from that moment.
1: That makes sense. I get that. Um, so what does your life look like now? Tell me all about the cool things that you do. And I know I know you from from Aid's life cycle. Which is something that you do. How many times have you done it now?
0: So, for I've done the ride twice, and I've this will be my fifth year of being a part of the event.
1: Nice. Were you roadies before?
0: No, I rode for the first two years.
1: Okay, and then, but you've been a part of the event for fifth five years.
0: Yeah, because of since it was canceled for the last two years, oh, I still yeah. fundraised, um, yes. both times. Oh, um yeah. That so yeah, that's that's actually like a huge part of my life now. So I help. Like with the rides and um, being like a training ride leader on the rides, but we don't host like official ALC rides for right now. So I don't know what, what that title is. But yeah, so I, I host bike rides for that and help people with that. Um, I do a lot of ridiculous fundraising through that, um, which has become very fun, actually. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I, I auction off people designing my tattoos. It's no.
1: It's been great. What did you what is the craziest thing you've gotten? So
0: I've done it two years in a row, much to my wife's chagrin. She's not very happy about it every time, but it raises a lot of money for a good cause. So I don't really care. Um <laughs> hey. so the and both years people have been within like ten dollars of each other. So I've gotten two tattoos. Oh nice. So the first year someone from my team won. So I got our I got Fubar's logo or like their their little icon. It's like the band-aid cross on my knee. Yep. And then uh, Rob actually won uh, that year as well. So I have um, uh, U-locks on my knees that are, make hearts that say Cretans oh, love that, me on it.
1: I didn't realize that that's what that was.
0: Yeah. So that's what it was. And it says Cretans love me in the Iron Maiden font on my knees. Nice. Yeah.
1: Um, but just for everybody who's listening. So you ride for Team Fubar? Yes. Nice. And you're doing that this year as well?
0: Yeah. So I've been on that team for four years. Nice.
1: That is so cool. That's, yeah, that's a uh, Fubar. I love Fubar. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's a red bunch. Yeah. And then that, that's all over the US, right? Like it's not just California or is it primarily Cal- Cal-
0: California? Primarily California. But I know there's like a few people that have like moved. And especially in this past year, more people have moved like back home or wherever. So yeah, yeah. we're a little bit more spread out. But I think think the last time we rode there was like a hundred plus people on our team like it's a massive team that's cool
1: that's awesome and yeah it's like i've talked about it it's like like on the show but that there's a bunch there's a bunch of cool teams and Fuar is definitely one of them yeah you get back to the ride
0: yeah i'm i'm really excited about it so that's that's become like a part of the community and has also like inspired in and opening the restaurant like really kind of missing that community and being able to like figure out how to make that a permanent space of like initially I was like I'll just throw all of my hobbies at this thing that I'm doing um and it got a little messy because tattoo shops and bikes and all all the things is is too much so I narrowed it down and was like this is this is the thing like I really do feel like in getting sober, I've realized like a lot of my purpose is to be of service to others. And I get to do that through AIDS life cycle. And I get to do that through, um, cooking. I get to do it through being sober. Like I, there's a lot of avenues for me to be of service. And so I feel like that's kind of the, the center point of my life is how can I be of most service to like myself, my community, my family, like all of those things. So, um, yeah,
1: that's awesome. That's, I mean, yeah, if you're doing, when you're doing AIDS lifecycle and you're doing something which has to do with fundraising and just really putting yourself out there, like it's Same very of service. It's not just like I like my wife because it's a lot. I mean, it's it is a lot to fundraise and put yourself out there and really get yourself out of your shell. Um, and my wife always <laughs> used to give me a really hard time when I was doing AIDS lifecycle because it was like you know, like you're posting and you're like doing these events and you're doing these things like you're being really um, energetic for the entire world because you want to like stoke people up for, you know, this amazing, amazing organization. Um, but it's a lot. It's a lot of just getting out of your shell.
0: Definitely. And I also think like, what's kind of hard for a lot of people. And, and this was my experience and why I hadn't didn't sign up sooner is I didn't think it was accessible to me because I didn't have money, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of true, but there are ways that like a lot of teams will help you like navigate getting a bike or your kits yeah. or whatever. Like there is help and support in that, but it was also like having access to friends with money that could be like, Oh, I want to donate to this thing. Yeah. But I yeah. think like what I've learned is, is that like, everybody can donate whatever they can afford to donate, but like bringing them kind of through the experience with you is really fun for people. Like, especially like with this tattoo fundraiser, I think that's why it's ended up each year. I think it's raised over. Like, I think my first year it was like 1500 and the second year was about the same, um, of doing it. And like people like the experience of living through someone else, like they don't want to do the crazy thing, but they want to watch someone else do the crazy thing. Yeah. Um, So I think that's kind of the thing, and so they're like, if if I get if I donate five dollars, I get to watch you do the crazy thing and help someone.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's really a kind of a win win, right? Like you, there's a lot of a lot of good parts of it. Um, totally. Yeah, and I that's awesome that those two are. I didn't realize that both of those were. Um, what do you do? You have ideas for this year's?
0: For fundraisers?
1: Yeah, for or not for the fundraiser, but for the tattoo. Do they? No.
0: They tattoo? get to design the tattoo. So, right. whoever donates the most amount of money, and I usually choose like a week in the spring, I, in that time period, the most collectively uh, gets to design the tattoo. And I just get to choose the size and location just in case someone <laughs> chooses like a dick with wings and then I'm not having it on my forehead. Um, <laughs> would
1: you get it? Would you get it? Wings?
0: Yeah, I would. <laughs> if they donated the most amount of money, I 100% would.
1: <laughs> That's some hardcore. Death.
0: Yeah, I mean, people, I feel yeah, like people are donating quite a good, good chunk of change yeah, to, to make that happen. And if that's what I got to do, that's what I got to do. And worst case scenario, like if it's something horrific, like I I do have some boundaries, like I'm not going to get like horribly racist things or whatever, yeah, yeah. like there is a line to that, but uh, I'm putting my trust in the community that's following this weird thing that I do that they're not going to yeah. make those choices for me, but uh, yeah,
1: it's how would your wife feel about you getting like she's already not keen on you getting tattoos, but getting dick?
0: <laughs> so she doesn't mind the tattoos. It's the giving other people power yeah. to choose my tattoos that she's not fond of. Yeah. Um, I I don't think she would be happy about it, but also she knows like this is something I'm really passionate about, and that the th- the reason why I'm doing it is because it does provide funds for people that really need it, and like. Yeah. She would support me in that. She wouldn't be stoked about the content, but I think <laughs> we could work through it and figure it out.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: I mean, I don't know if I would be stoked about the content, but I would do it anyways cuz that's <laughs> that's that's the game I'm playing with this ridiculous fundraiser.
1: Well, I mean, there're a couple things. Like that's real dedication there, which is awesome. But like I don't know, it's like the in general, the it's it's a once it's a once in a lifetime thing. Um and like or not really once in a lifetime but like to be able to do the things that you do with AIDS life cycle but then to have somebody like like you said to commemorate and like really be a part of it it's huge it it really is huge
0: yeah and I think that that's why the tattoo thing works one it's every time everybody except for Rob has not had a single tattoo. So they they are not like not even a dot, like nothing. <laughs> so they've gotten to choose a tattoo that they would want to get for themselves. And I've ended up with really rad tattoos. So that's been cool. And then um they also then get to see the experience of like me doing the ride or even just the fundraising element of the ride. Cause I do try to like make it fun for people because I'm sure I get annoyed with posting as much as I do because all most of my fundraising is done through like Instagram posts.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so I try to at least make it a little bit exciting for people or like, I have like a competition. So Ruth and I, for the past three years have, uh, done a race to 5k and whoever gets to 5k first has to donate $25 to the loser. So I turn it into a competition. I bring whoever else is donating in on the thing that like, they're going to help me win this race that I'm also losing at. Cause if I win, I have to pay Ruth money, or pay Ruth's fundraiser money, like. It bringing people in and the experience really has helped that
1: yeah it's definitely I mean it's it's it is a I did it two years and it's definitely one of those things you have to like be creative and um the next time like you know like I don't know how many more times I'm gonna be able to do it having kids and all but um especially young kids my wife told me like it was like last year she was like we should probably do it again and like you know I want to like bring the kids to like watch you do it like because it is really cool like the event itself is mind mind boggling but like to be able to see the people like the like roadies or people who like travel with you it's really cool for them to see you do it because 545 miles is a really fucking long way
0: yeah it's it's for anybody wild yeah it's it is a cool experience and like for people to see it and like be like, oh, this is what you're doing. Like, yeah. this is the thing that's happening. It's, it's pretty crazy. So, yeah, I'm sure it would be a cool thing for them to see it. So, what the first year I did it, um, so it was five years ago. So, my son probably was, like, 11. So, my wife and son flew up to San Francisco and sent me off and then met me at the finish line. So, they kind of got to bookend it. um, But they took the train back down to L.A. So, they got to kind of see... Uh, parts of the ride that we would be on um to see like kind of what that actually feels like because when you fly 545 miles it's like nothing like whatever 45 minutes who cares Um, oh yeah
1: we we did a we did a little bit of a of a northern california like like family trip like over the summer and it was cool to like go visit those parts again and see the the coast and like Just, you know, see parts like it's different being in a car or being in something that's land versus a plane is like so different.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really kind of wild experience. And it's also oddly enough, like somehow like doing this ride has shaped me as like like a consumer and as a chef, like riding through all of the kind of farming areas we ride through my first year. I was so excited about it and I was like, this is going to be rad and I get to see where everything's grown and it's going to be great. And -hmm. then I rode through and I was like bummed out. Like that is my least favorite part of the ride. Cause I'm like, this sucks. Cause I, I know how like industrial farming works. And once I realized it's all like industrialized farms and I was like seeing these people like hustling as hard as they were. And I was like, Oh, like I'm not buying dress berries anymore. Cause clearly this is what's happening. Like, and I was like, Oh, this is, this is like, while it was like really kind of a bummer to see and be like, Oh, this is awful. I was like, oh, I can. This is how I can be a better chef, and like, I can be better to the community that I'm kind of taking from um, yeah. to do my my passion. I don't necessarily know if everybody that's out in those fields picking those strawberries is stoked about being able to pick strawberries.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's that was uh, that was that was one thing with AIDS lifecycle that like really tripped me up is like to see the amount of workers that were out there and just be like thinking about how like shit they get paid and like yeah. all, this, all, all the all it. it's really like it's kind of a mind fuck where it's like oh man like i really love, love this you know company or really love this like this type of food blah blah, blah. it's it's just one of the you looking like oh my god like shit
0: <laughs> yeah to like actually see it because like i do go to the farmer's market as much as i can but it's also that's a luxury i'm not always afforded yeah. and- Whatever, But like to actually see it happening in front of you and you're like, holy shit. Like, I mean, in the time that like you're riding whatever, however many feet, some guys run back two or three times and you're like, mm-hmm. this sucks and it's hot and windy and then it's cold and weird. And like I, I was it, it was kind of a bummer. So every time we're riding through all of that, I just I keep my head down and I'm like, note to myself, like, be super grateful for my experience uh, and like the privileges I'm afforded to not have to do this kind of work.
1: Yeah. it. I mean, yeah, we, we could talk about this cycle for a long time because <laughs> there parts of it that are just like incredibly humbling. And I think that is one of those things where it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, when you're just like dying, riding, like third miles and you're seeing people do all these things, like it really just kind of changes your perspective. Like these people, like I'm doing this cause it's like a fucking bike vacation but like right. people are doing this because they need to fucking live. Like it's it's real. Yeah, that whole ride, it hits you in all these places.
0: Yeah, and in ways you weren't expecting. I think it's I think honestly, like the the ride has affected my recovery more than I think it has, uh hmm. or than I thought it would. Um, in terms of just being like, oh, like I need to step outside of myself more and actually see what other people are experiencing in the world and not just what's happening in my like bubble of recovery and or bubble of whatever like I it's important for me to actually like witness with my own eyeballs not through like a screen or through talking to people about what their life is what their life is like and I think it's also afforded me to be more compassionate for people in general that are that are struggling or having a rough moment
1: yeah and yeah I I definitely I think I think to add to that I think it's like the week that I, from the past, like, three years, the week the weeks that I have not done so much social media or anything was, is the week of that ride. Like, I'm so invested in the people and all of it. Like, it just, it is almost like a, you know, it's like a vacation, but it's also like, like, you're just consumed with, like, awesomeness, like, all around you um and you're like different avenues different parts of it there are so many things of that of that ride that are just like humbling you know from like those really shit scenarios that you could put in but like all of it of just like having to step outside your bubble it's it's insane like i I feel like i'm not that i used to be a real big person where i would like want to like be like connect with people and be over you know over the top not necessarily over the top but like have attention or like try to like reach out to people and like i in that time frame like in that week like i do it in such a way that is so different than any other day of the the year um yeah that ride is it's it changes the way you fucking are it's it's really crazy
0: it's it's pretty crazy so it's it's also a thing like it's one of i do this is a very broad generation i'm sure there are people that are there with other intentions but it's one of the few moments where like you see true altruism and true community happen because Mm -hmm. you really don't I have no expectations of the person I'm helping on the side of the road I know I probably will not see them again on that week I might see them maybe if I'm lucky but the odds are I probably won't see you again but like you're stuck and stranded on the side of the road like I'm not going to be the guy that's just riding past you like that that's not a cool move and I really just want to be there to help them like keep riding or whatever it is, um, which is really cool. And then the fundraising element as well. Like, I don't necessarily benefit from those dollars anymore. At one point, I was going to the the, um, Gay and Lesbian Center to, like, receive therapy and all of that through them. But, like, I don't see those dollars. Those dollars don't benefit me, but it does benefit the community. And so I feel like that also has its own, like, altruistic moments.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's, like... I mean, there's... Yeah, it's there's there's no way to really like describe all the all the things about ALC. It's it's phenomenal. It's connected with me a lot of with a lot of great people, um, and just lots of great organizations and just like causes. All of it um, that I will you know forever be imprinted in my brain and forever imprinted in my life. Like, yeah, it's a really amazing, really amazing thing. Agreed. So also you opened a restaurant or opening a restaurant
0: yeah which Tell is all about it wild uh so it's called Detroit Vessies so it's my uh wife my so my mother-in-law's uh middle and last name so it's a super cool name so i stole it when i got married to my wife so um my brother two brother-in-laws and my son are all Detroit Vessies so it's kind of like a f- my my paying my respects to the family and and their support Um, and yeah, so it's going to be a cycling cafe in, in downtown LA in the arts district. And, um, we're going to have like a whole space for bikes and bike parking and all of that. And, um, people can come get coffee or drinks and, and food and just hang out and be, be essentially like a AIDS life cycle, but permanently, um, That's that's kind of the, the like broad strokes of the concept is that like, it's just a place to hang out and have community and, and eat some some food and and ride bikes and have a good time and like um it's I've always wanted to open up a restaurant like this is like my little kid dream kind of happening I've always been planning for some version of this um so it's pretty wild that it's all kind of lining up the way that it is and um it's really nothing that I could have like made happen it was all like everything leading up to this was all like it feels like oddly curated and i'm not like a person that um is is spiritual in that way that like i feel Mm -hmm. like everything is predetermined um i'm more of the like choose your own adventure variety of of spiritual things like i get to show up and make a choice and that choice will lead me down a myriad of paths whatever but like it's it's kind of wild how much it's lined up over I would say the past like two years to getting to the point of being able to like open my own restaurant.
1: That's so cool. That's really 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 cool. Um, yeah it's it's wait, wild. We're in the we're in the arts district is it?
0: So it's on uh, like 7th and Mateo Okay um,
1: he's super familiar with that area. I mean I when I do go to LA a lot of the times I do go to the arts district Um, so I'm just trying to picture <laughs> not that again not that I have like a really good reference for it um,
0: yeah, it's like right next to. I mean, the arts district has also changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's um, the war and literally like right next door to Warner Brothers production studios, like, uh, yeah, yeah, um, in that area. Like, Bestie is down there and a bunch of other super cool restaurants right across the street from like Pizza Nista. Awesome, that is so cool.
1: And when is it? Oh, when does this open?
0: Uh, so we're shooting for end of September, early October, just depending on getting clearance for everything but we're we're on track for all of that
1: that's so awesome
0: yeah i'm i'm wildly excited about it we're today i had a bunch of friends from Fubar over and we were uh priming a wall for a mural to go up and um starting to put up art and and getting all of that happening and it's it's kind of starting slowly but surely coming together and i'm i'm super excited about it
1: that's really cool and what and what are you going to be are you going to be cooking
0: yeah. So I've, I uh, created the menu. So like whenever I manage or like work in some kind of like authority figure, I'm always just, I'm there to be a worker among workers. Like I'm there to help wherever I need, even if like I'm hired as a kitchen manager, like whatever it might be, like, I still just want to help out. So I imagine that's kind of more of where I'll fit in is just whoever needs help, wherever they need help. I'm there to help out. Um, cause that, that's kind of been my other big goal is just working in food service forever and being treated like garbage or not being paid well so really like working towards having an equitable workplace where like people are treated with respect and just because like i'm the owner doesn't mean i'm above like washing a dish um so yeah that's that's kind of my goal every time i'm in charge anywhere and so I, i imagine that will be the same um of just like showing up to be of service to the team or whoever's working or whatever's happening there and making sure it's all it's all kind of happening
1: well yeah i mean i feel like that kind of like i mean it is one of those it is something that is needed more so in our workforce of just really people who are owners or part of you know i guess like you know higher ups if you will like within whatever company business restaurant whatever it is and like to really just be a part of the groundwork because a lot of the groundwork is, is, you know, that is the job. Um, and it's, I feel like even like where I work in general, it's nice to see people, you know, in the trenches with us um, because it's kind of, or like the higher ups, like in trenches with us, because it's like, it, it's almost like a, just a reminder that we're all in this together. Yeah. Um, I mean, and huge. I mean, it's huge for morale, like in general, like yeah, it's
0: definitely, and I feel like people like stick around longer. Like, I know for myself, like if I've the the places where like I've seen the owner like wash a dish, or like if the dishwasher calls out sick, they're they're in there washing dishes, or they're asking where where they can help and the be of the most help to the team. Like, it's been pretty incredible to just be like, oh, cool, like you actually mean that you're here to support me, and not just this kind of fluff of like you're the greatest and we love you, but yeah. like when you're in the weeds and you need help, like, I'm not actually here.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, there's some sort of, like, morale booster with having that, um, just because, like you said, it's just, like, just being the fluff or being, like, you know, like, walking on, you know, just, like, walking on air, just, like, being that this, like, that kind of a boss is just so it's hard to work for like the turnover like you you just don't see like there's a lot of parts to it right like there's like parts of like something you like something you someone you want to aspire to be or someone like basically a model that you can up to and if it's somebody who's not doing those kinds of things it's so hard to like just want to even be a part of it
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, restaurant work is hard as it is. It's customer Mm -hmm. service. It's also an insane amount of manual labor. Like it's a hard job. So like to not have a crew or support there, like with people that actually understand what's happening, uh, is a bummer. Like it's really hard to be like, cool. I'm going to be excited to go to my job where like kind of half treated like shit and I make barely enough to live, but like my boss just bought their third Mercedes and like doesn't actually help us when they need to help us out. And I think actually like that's part of the reason why the food service industry was hit so hard this past couple of months is people are like, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't even like I have friends who like they want to be chefs for the rest of their life. They still want to do that, but they don't want to work for like these restaurateurs that go through and are just like, I'm here to make money or I'm here to make money and I don't care about you. Like You can be there to make money. And if that's your goal, great. But like, help us out. Like, if we're in the weeds, help us out. Like, even if it's just running a plate, like, that even says a lot to just say that, like, you're willing to jump in and help us out. Because the reality is, is like, when I start hiring people, this restaurant isn't necessarily their dream, it's mine. And they're helping make that happen. And so, my job is then, in order to be supported by them, I need to support them
1: yeah i mean it's god i wish more people had that kind of like mentality as you going into those things because i i do feel like there's just so many people like so many of my friends who are in the restaurant business or really any business but business where it's lots of labor and when they have people who are just who have that same concept as like this is like yes it's my dream but you're a part of that dream, like you are helping build that. Um, it's just so important to have that groundwork understanding that like, that's the reality of it. Not that you like you work for me. And so you make me the cash. Um, when you start bringing in the money part, it just like gets real. It gets real, like, you... people tend to lose their value, or you tend to value them less.
0: 100%. And, then... and I also think like, The weird part about that is when you start respecting your employees, first off, they don't do shady things in your business. They're whatever. The the owners that I've had that have had such fear of people stealing from them, it's because they're bad owners and they don't treat their employees well. And so people feel justified in stealing whatever from them. But like it's in showing up and genuinely being there to show up and be of service you don't really run into that like it's going to happen some there's always going to be someone uh, that's not kind of in line but they don't last very long um and so it's one of those things where like you actually do end up making more money or losing less money by being more generous i i don't necessarily think like being stingier around things or constantly living in fear that this is gonna happen is actually like beneficial from like a business perspective either. I don't think that makes you more money. Mm. Um and I think that was the eye opener in working for someone else through COVID. Like I worked all of last year and I was managing this restaurant and it was great. The owners were amazing and super supportive and awesome and like um it was one of those things where I was like right like I need to show up for people. Like the restaurants that have failed were the ones that i th- well, at least the ones that i noticed that failed were not they were in communities they might not have should have been in so like gentrifying neighborhoods yeah, or yeah. like they weren't supporting their team and so why would their team be like hey friend you're ordering delivery you want to come order delivery for my yeah. restaurant we're struggling they're like yeah my restaurant's struggling and i don't care
1: yeah 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 um
0: uh-huh. so like all of those things kind of add up and that was kind of the moment for me where I was like oh right like I I work. really have to be about community and service in this business and if I'm not about those things I have no right to like own my own restaurant or be in charge of people in that way
1: damn Aaron dropping some real big truth bombs
0: yeah been <laughs> really? doing it for a minute had a lot of a like, lot of thoughts around it
1: no they're great it's this is this is exactly what yeah I mean that's what needs to happen everywhere but it's I think that you know it's just like this like like you were saying earlier like it this is like an extension of your community of like what you what you need to be you and that's just really cool um that you're carrying it out like truly carrying it out into your business
0: yeah i think that's that's like a huge benefit of like being present for my life is i get to see Mm -hmm. those things that make me uncomfortable and be like oh why why am i uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with this and it kind of goes back into like us talking about the oversharing and constantly analyzing things like that is an asset in this moment of like me overanalyzing why i'm wildly uncomfortable or crying in a walk-in at a job like (laughs) it's not just because they said something mean to me. This is a buildup of, of other terrible yep. things that have happened to the point where I'm breaking down in the middle of service. Um so like I feel like it it that's the benefit of of being sober in this industry and being able to be like, oh, like I don't like this and I don't want to carry on this bad behavior. That's awesome.
1: I mean, that's man, that's super cool. <laughs> you're you're such a badass. Thanks. Love it. Um couple more questions and then I think we're good. Sweet. How do you stay grounded?
0: Um well I ride my bike is a big thing that like riding bikes has really kind of saved my brain more often than not. Um staying plugged into community is also really important. When I isolate it's it's no good. Uh and cooking for friends, like it's just all of the things I'm doing in my restaurant, essentially.
1: God, yeah, you're just i love I love this whole conversation because you're just like carrying everything that you learn into everything you do, and like that's so fucking possible to do it. Um, it's cool to, it's always cool to like talk to somebody who's like doing that because I feel like sometimes I'm doing it, but to hear someone talk about it and as confident as stoked on it as you are, it's really fucking cool
0: thanks, yeah, I think it's it's funny you say that because I was like things are rough and whatever, but like I feel like when it's happening, like, when I'm in it and learning the thing, it fucking sucks. Like, I'm coming home and, like, hysterical or just bummed out about life, but, like, in hindsight, I'm so... And I really am not, like, a I'm always grateful kind of person, but I am really grateful for those shitty moments, because I'm like, oh, now I get to learn how to not be a shitty person.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like... I feel like being sober and having to really be present with those things and really have to, like... It really kind of work through them as things are popping up. It really changes the way that you are as far as like like the things that you that you think are really fucking terrible are really not as bad as what you're thinking. And I think it's just because like you're handling it more you're like you're handling it as it's going rather than like doing what you did before, but just let it all pile up and fucking alleviate the pain with something that is unhealthy.
0: Yeah. Or or like I I really do feel like just being sober is about then getting the ability to have choices again, yeah. And so like that's it. because I know plenty of sober people that suck. Like they're not nice. They're terrible to <laughs> yeah. people. Like I know a lot of shitty sober people, but they're they get to wake up every day and make choices to not either learn from those shitty situations and be like, oh, how do I get to be better? Maybe a better person. So yeah, I feel like I feel like it's given me the choice to like make a different decision. And that's not to say like oh, I'm an angel and I'm good to everybody all the time. Like I'm yeah. sure. There are people walking around that hate my guts because of something I've done sober, um, and I get to clean that up as it goes along or as it presents itself. But yeah, I feel like I've been afforded the opportunity to like actually try to change. Like, yeah,
1: it, my I, I, it fascinates me when I when I talk to people who are like who are shitty in, in sobriety because like you're right, like it is a choice. Like they have the choice to make their own choices, and it's like. But it's weird to me because it's like, I just don't see that now. Like, I don't see why I would like, anytime I start slipping up or I feel myself slipping up, I immediately try to try to figure it out because like, I don't want to have to be in that position. Like, yeah, I wake up sober, but like, I don't want to have to be shitty. (laughs) Like, I don't want to have to be angry and grumpy and, um, you know, whatever. I want to be able to be better than I was before.
0: Totally. And I think some of that's, like, also mental health. Like, I can, yeah. from my own experience, like, I've had to, like, reassess some some things. Like I said, I was diagnosed with ADHD as a kid. And, like, I've had to look back into that because I'm like, hmm, maybe this maybe this is more of a thing than I think it is. Like, and I do know some of my shitty behavior and the times that I've, like, done or said awful things in recovery and, like, consciously has been a result of my... Inability to cope with my yeah. brain in a in a way that's not just alcoholism, so I do know there's some of that. To, so it wasn't it's not necessarily a blanket statement that like if you're shitty, it's you've made the choice to be shitty. But I do feel like that you do then have the choice to be like, why am I being shitty? And then looking into it. So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. no, that makes sense I get that. Like I think the curiosity, or like the the opportunity or the questioning, like where you're actually like you have the you, you're you presented with it from being sober you're presented with like the concept of like like why am i being shitty or like you know like you have because you're having to do it already um i don't know i feel like maybe it's just like that step further that i've like always really want to try to do it's just like i want to see that step now that i've seen the like you know the benefits of being sober like i'm always like i want to know what the, what could be and i maybe that's a bad thing but
0: i I think it i think curiosity helps things because that's where like the growth happens
1: yeah that's true um last two questions actually i thought i said two but i have three um what about do you have any recommendations for the newcomer or somebody who is sober curious
0: um i mean it is the cliche but like just fucking stick around like staying sober is way easier than trying to get sober in my experience anyways and like i don't know get some friends and go do dumb shit sober like stay up until 4 a.m like go have a good time like it doesn't need to be a bummer and it will be a bummer at some point it that's just life and being a human but like i think community has literally saved my life um and i think that's the biggest thing and like just hunt around until you find them like whoever that person is or those people are like it took me a long time to find the community I have now that I really feel like I've plugged into, and and like they've plugged into me a, in a way that I feel it, like I'm a valid person, and that like all the parts of me that are weird and whatever are yeah. cool. Like, I I would highly recommend just hunt for friends, like go go friend shopping.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. I, the thing that's funny though with that is like I remember when I was when I was first sober, like it was really hard for me to find. Like, I always thought it was really hard to friend shop, but like so many people in the sober community are just like so welcoming, like as it is, um, because they like, they see that you're struggling or they, they like know what it's like to be that in that position. And yeah, I think that's good. That's a really good advice. Just go friend shopping. Yeah. It's like, we very much want to share experiences and, you know, connect and that's, that's the one big thing that sets us apart from a lot of things is like we just like the connection is huge
0: yeah you feel a little less alone in the world even if you're not like totally stoked on the person you're currently friends with like that's fine just have to even if you have enough of a relationship that like you can do things together or whatever it's good
1: yeah oh for sure um my last question is do you have any recommendations outside of being sober or in recovery or be being in recovery that you have for anybody
0: in terms of like
1: anything anything that you've been stoked on for the past whatever
0: i don't know i think i covered all of that i mean i th- <laughs> all, all of these things i do outside of recovery as well so like i really do think like finding your your group of people or your person to like go be wild with and and have a good time and like I yeah. It's the like Yeah. Go do that. Yeah. Go go do some shit. Even if it feels weird, just do it. I
1: like that. Um and actually, you know what? I lied. There's I I do have one last question. Yeah. What is something that you were grateful for today?
0: Um They're always at the top of my list. So my wife and my son, I'm super nice. grateful for them. They bring a lot of Of peace to my life and have helped kind of heal some of like my my like deepest wounds
1: i love that that's so great i uh my i've been trying to like well every day with my kids we and my wife when we put our kids to bed we do like a small gratitude list and like it's it's yeah i totally get it like my wife and my son are always on the top or my kids are on the top and it's just like Yeah, I feel like that's another thing with sobriety It's just like gratitude and being grateful for the things that you got Um, and the people you have because it's easy to let that pass you up.
0: Definitely and I think like it's also like continuously being grateful for those things like or not like grateful just being aware that like even when things are uncomfortable with, with anything like whatever we've been together for 10 years we've had our ups and downs of like all of it and as a family, we've been together for ten years. Like it's a lot being with someone for a long period of time. Yes. And I think uh, acknowledging that the juxtaposition of being like challenged, but also still wildly grateful for for these people or these experiences is is they can be both good and bad at the same time.
1: Oh, for sure. And I th- yeah, I think y- yeah, you are right one hundred percent with just consistently being grateful for it. And like yeah. Like just being consistently grateful like it's it is one of those things where it's like if you're in a long term relationship like it is a lot to be with somebody for years on end and yeah it's a it's a trip but it's it's definitely worth it
0: I would agree with that
1: uh, do you have anything else to say
0: I think that's all the things
1: cool well I was so glad talk. Uh, so awesome talking to you I'm glad that you came on, decided to come on and talk about your your experience.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been, been good.
1: Awesome. Well, this episode will air, believe, this Saturday, so I will update you with Deets later.
0: Sounds good, and I'll share it all over the place.
1: Cool, cool, cool. Have a good one.
0: Awesome. Bye. You too. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.